HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This piece was brought to you by Roberta's, robertaspizza.com. This week on a special bonus episode of Meat in 3, we find out why the bacon, egg, and cheese, that classic bodega sandwich, is popping up on menus of New York's trendiest restaurants. We did a few iterations of it, and I was trying to fancify it. We tried the sausage, egg, and cheese, and then we tried to put charmoula sauce on it. We used feta cheese, and we just like taking ingredients of the Mediterranean, if you will, and try to infuse it. But uh, for me, it was like a car wreck. Tune in to hear about the wild journey of the bacon, egg, and cheese, from deli to fine dining, on Meat and 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Excuse me. Uh, hi. Welcome to Life's Banquet, the show about all things edible, spreadable, and pourable, and the highs and lows of those things with your hosts, Zara Tangora and uh, Nicole Bailey. Have you ever seen that outtake, that hot mic thing with uh, Sue Simmons, the newscaster? And she's like, what the fucking hell? And then she gets like caught. And she's like, I'm sorry for my disgusting language. <laughs> it's very funny. <laughs> no, but I love that. Because you would just never think that she would speak like that right. she seems very composed it's her job to be composed i just always like the lady that falls off when she's stomping the grapes who's also a newscaster who's her who's she <laughs> she falls it's like a live segment on the news and she's stomping grapes i think or something and she falls off and then she makes like this horrible inhuman sound and it's amazing a gr- the grape escape Mm-hmm. Interesting. Wait, can you talk for a minute? Because I just realized I don't have my glasses. I can't see anything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just sure. talk talk to the people about whatever you want. <laughs> um, okay, well, I'm talking about Zara getting her glasses because she's a 40-year-old woman. <laughs> and I'm back. Guys, there's no order to this show. Listen, we get paid millions of dollars per episode to like the cast of Friends. Yes. But yeah, one no, million no dollars one can per see us. And you know what? We're in 2019. I don't give an F you CK. <laughs> Okay? I dropped something out of my wallet. What did you drop? Listen, I've I'm tuned out. This is chaos. Oh! I don't have a change purse portion of my wallet. That's the whole issue. Huh. Um, okay, Nicole, have you eaten anything delicious or done anything food-centric, beverage-centric this week? What the hell is going on with you? Um, well, we have a new dish at my restaurant, which is steelhead trout. It's really good. Ooh, go on. Nice and pink. It's also, like, the most sustainable fish you can eat. It's farmed. Yeah? But 
It's good. It's pink like salmon because it eats the same stuff that salmon eats. And what does the salmon eat? Oh, flamingos. Oh. <laughs> 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 that would be really funny if you're like talking to your table like well what makes it so pink you're like it has an all organic biodynamic flamingo diet <laughs> like really you're like yes it has very sharp teeth in a twist of irony the reason that flamingos are pink are because they eat shrimp right so I know that's like what is happening I mean what would happen to a flamingo if it ate blueberries is what I want to know about it <laughs> what's on the dish it's got trout roe and a bunch of herbs and it's just really good and delicious sexy um, this week you and I went on a quest to have delicious pizza. We had, I'll just admit that we're already like a couple of, how many sheets to the wind is too many? Two? Four? I don't know. It's four sheets? To the, what is the saying? We don't know. It's two sheets to the wind. It is. I'd, I'd like to know Three where, sheets to the wind. Are you sure it's not four sheets to the wind? It's how three. How many sheets? Why would you ever have three sheets? Because you have, they're like on the line. Oh, uh, got it. But still, that makes no sense because you only really use two sheets on a bed. Sure. Okay. I this don't know. conversation has really derailed. <laughs> <laughs> Hard hitting journalism, I, as always. <laughs> anyway, so we were like hanging out and drinking wine at a place you were working at. And mm-hmm. then we decided to leave and go try the new, is it called FNF pizza? I don't know. Oh, that's just the name you've given it. I didn't call it that. Oh, I thought you did. <laughs> no. Okay, the new Frankie's Pizza Place. And we got there, and now I must say, I go to Frankie's like several times a week to sit at the bar and drink wine and cry into a good book. Um, the Bible. <laughs> and, and, but we went to the pizza place, and it was like 7.45, and they're like, we're out of pizza, and there's just crazed people milling about. Nobody knew what was going on. Everyone's like, where is my mother? <laughs> Like, your mother is dead. Then they wrote sold out on a paper plate. Yeah. So Mm. needless to say, we didn't eat there. So we went back to my house. We ordered a pizza from Brooklyn Pizza Market, which was pretty tasty. Mm -hmm. Made a big salad and watched... Scream. Yes. Now, you pointed out something about Scream that I have overlooked in all these years rewatching it, which was the hair. The highlights. Oh, yeah. Totally. Incredible. Incredible highlight jobs. So I will. I mean, Courtney Cox's hair in that is just like forever emblazoned in my mind because the highlights are so specific to that time period and now so dated. Yeah. Um, but maybe making a comeback. Who knows? Um, She's basically like a zebra. Yeah, she has like really dark hair and like really light colored blonde highlights. Um, no attempt at like making it look natural. It's just like, I have highlights. <laughs> the 90s or the 2000s. I don't know. This is the 90s. It's wine o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that, I would describe that as kind of a crime of fashion. Mm-hmm. And it's funny that you say that, Zara, because <laughs> like today's episode is all about crime. Mm-hmm. Am I right, ladies? And food. And f- of course. Not- and food. <laughs> Spooky food crimes. <laughs> no, we're, we're doing the spooky episode next week. Spooky next week. This week's serious. <laughs> Frankenstein. <laughs> um, you are haunted right now. I'm have gone. Yes, I've gone haunted. <laughs> um, okay, let's just jump right in here before you haunt out of here. <laughs> Um, so food crimes is loosely defined on the internet. (laughs) Um, so I decided to start off with like food that is like crimes that are like basically being committed against the food themselves. Oh, please. Um, and this is from 
BuzzFeed. Um, and they just had like a list. It was mostly photographs. So I just pulled out the things that struck me as the most horrifying. Um, one was we just had some flavored water earlier. We did. Um, this one had banana slices in <gasps> the water <laughs> cooler. <laughs> <laughs> Too thick. And a sign that said banana water next to it. <laughs> It just seems like the most hilarious thing it's that funny. could ever have happened. There's also banana pizza, and it's not plantains; it's bananas. No. Yeah, I saw a photo of it on BuzzFeed. It has to be true. Do you think we could be willing as a society to give up bananas? We were just chatting with the heritage, with the meat and three gals about how bananas are problematic. I don't know; they're fine. They're quite thick. Do we need them? I mean, plantains are great. True. I don't think that we need bananas. I don't need them. I certainly don't. If I never saw one in another day in my life, it would be too soon. When I grew up, my someone I think my grandparents would eat Cheerios with sliced bananas oh, in yeah. there. Oh, and that's very good, though. It's so weird, though. Texturally, it's like very crunchy and very soft. Yes. Um, then there was baked beans inside a donut, which seems like a <laughs> fake thing, but it was there was a photograph of it. No! I was just like, how, like a chocolate-covered donut that should have cream inside of it, oh. but there are baked beans in there. No. No, crime against food. That is a crime against food. Um, all St. Patrick's Day foods that are colored <laughs> green with intense green food coloring <laughs> are wrong. Yeah. And I also don't like the green McDonald's shake that everyone else likes because it's mint flavored. The shamrock shake? Yeah. You got something against mint flavored ice cream? Yes. You do? Yeah. Really? Yes. You and Jenny Lupo both. I didn't know this about you. Again, well, you know what? Podcasting, like you said last week, we really do learn a lot about yourself yeah. and others. I contain multitudes. <laughs> Um, there is also a Mountain Dew Margarita, which I'm not 100% opposed No, I'm, I'm to. into that. There was a restaurant in Seattle that I used to go to that had like a brunch drink that was Mountain Dew and vodka that I would order sometimes. It oh, was yeah. good. Sure. What I mean, is Mountain Dew? It's, uh, it's a carbonated beverage. I've heard of it, but is it melon flavored? I mean, I, I've had it many times. What no. is the flavor of it? It's supposed to be just yellow? I don't know. They, they had like those vintage, um... They put out the vintage labels like last summer, mm-hmm. a couple years ago, and I, I think it's supposed to be something along the lines of like moonshine, <laughs> like from Appalachian, like Mountain Dew. But I literally have no idea. So that is my theory, and we'll never. There's no way to find out for sure. Sure, what flavor the, the original is. recipe contains meth. Well, it's just like the guy on the. It's like a, you know, kind of an offensive picture of a hillbilly kind of guy. <laughs> With, like, a jug with X's on it. Right. Oh, weird. Like, ding da ding da ding 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 want some Mountain Dew? Yeah. Yeah. But I don't understand the correlation, why it would be green. I don't know anything. Okay. Um, there's also something called an inverse hamburger where you have two hamburgers as the bun, and the bun is in the middle. No! <laughs> Come on! Can you believe? Can you listen to these people? She's talking about... I'm sorry, I'm trying to get the attention of the no, diners out here. They can hear you, <clears throat> so stop doing that. It's crazy. There's also then... And there's actually so many... Maybe we'll talk about this next week. Uh, there's so many, like, messed up, like, regular foods that they change for, like, the holidays or for movies, and there was Shrek Twinkies that had green cream inside of them. Ew. I know, it's so gross. Do you think Shrek's cum is green? Ew. I'm just no, wondering. I think it's normal colored. Okay. <laughs> I've never seen the film. <laughs> it's like four of them. <laughs> um, okay. Let's quickly go through some other hilarious food crimes, food errors, things that could have been rethought. Sure. Um, there was a cheeseburger in a can. You just boil it. 
What? And you take it off, and then there's a cheeseburger in there. Are you kidding me? No. When was this? Like in the 50s? Um, I actually didn't write down the date, weirdly enough. Usually I'm so detailed. Um, Do you think the meat was raw when you... No, because it was it was like shelf-stable. So you could oh it didn't have God. to be refrigerated. So it's like, you know, like processed meat. Whoa. Like Vienna sausages in a can. Dude, that is mind-blowing, truly. I've never heard of that. Just, That's crazy. Yeah, just wait. I would eat a cheeseburger in a can. There's also a whole chicken in a can. Come on now. Yeah, it's like... Kind oh. of like got a cult status. How big is the can? Well, it's big enough to hold us whole chicken. Yeah. <laughs> um, I saw pictures and it's not cut up. It's like a whole chicken, not cut up in a can. And you pull it out and there's all this like gelatinous goo that no. comes out. Yeah. Um, and then you roast it? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy. America. Um, they don't, I don't think it's made anymore, but you can find cans on eBay. <laughs> oh my god, that's great! A chicken in a can, huh? A now whole, I've heard everything. Freaking old chicken in a can. There was also Yo Play in two thousand seven. Not even like it was like a reasonable time. They made fizzy yogurt in a tube. So it's like <laughs> <laughs> this like crazy scientist just put dry ice and yogurt as like a, just like for fun. <laughs> and they're like, no, we should market this to people and put it in a tube and make fizzy yogurt. Everyone wants. The yes, the masses have been begging for it. Um, I will say that, you know, yogurt soda is a thing, like a Japanese oh, yeah. thing. So, like, potentially that's what they were trying to do. But we're, I don't know. Didn't didn't hit take off here <laughs> in America. There was also something called Pepsi AM, which tried to encourage people to drink Pepsi in the morning instead of coffee. <laughs> and it basically... They, Did you drink it hot? I don't think so. With um, milk in it? I don't think that was, I think it was just like, you're supposed to drink, you're like, well, why not just, just have a Pepsi? Wake up and like crack open a Pepsi. I mean, honestly, why not? Like if you're putting a lot of sugar in your coffee, like what's the diff? Totally. I'm I'm not into it. I'm not going to lie. I'm not into that at all. Well, I don't like Pepsi, but interestingly, um, it only had, it had 28% more caffeine than Pepsi, regular Pepsi. Oh. But it's 77% less caffeine than coffee. So it still wasn't <laughs> going to really <laughs> jazz you up in the morning or get anything moving, if you know what I mean. Um, then there was this literally something called Gerber singles where they took pureed meals and made them for adults and put them into single serving packages that looked just like the baby food, but it was for adults. No. Yeah. Why? I don't know. For like, they were marketed like college students and people on the go. Sure. College students who are just like so fucked up. They just want to eat like baby food. Nobody wants to eat baby food. Gerber singles is made of people. I know. It's very, (laughs) I mean, it's fascinating what they do. Um, there was Coors Rocky Mountain spring water. They tried to get into like spring water, like they had flavored spring water, but they kept the Coors logo on everything. So people thought it was alcohol. (laughs) So no one bought it, and it was like, <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny for me to think that they like did all this work and made all these labels and found spring water and probably you know exploited people to yeah. get it, and then no one was they were like this is alcoholic spring water it's not okay. Um, there's also Cheetos lip balm. No. <laughs> yep. Come on. It's real. I wonder if it tastes like che- actually like cheese. I, well, it's like fake cheese flavor. Apparently very plasticky. It's disgusting. Apparently. Do you think it leaves the like flakiness on your lips that you get when you eat a lot of Cheetos? Well, it starts as flakiness and then it turns into like a cheese paste. No, I think that it's just like greasy orange lip balm that tastes like <laughs> fake cheese flavor. Ew. And I don't know why it didn't take off. There's also <laughs> Sylvester Stallone had his own pudding. 
No. <laughs> um, it was actually popular because it had 20 grams of protein and no sugar, but he got sued because he allegedly stole the recipe from someone else. <laughs> Listen, if anyone, if he's stealing a recipe for a sugarless pudding mm-hmm. with like, I mean, what is sugarless pudding? Isn't sugar it just gravy? Jello. Thick gravy? I mean, they make sugar-free jello. Oh, but that has like aspartame in it. I'm thinking of just like a savory pudding. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like flavored like figgy, sweat and egg yolks. Figgy pudding is that? It's probably not savory. No, figgy pudding is sweet. But I'm <laughs> thinking more of like a very thick gravy. So gravy that's cold. Sure, like a cold, <laughs> thick, great sweat flavored gravy. And the oh, you better try this gravy. That's my Sylvester Sloan. Is that accurate? Uh, oh, you better. I think I need to work on it. I don't think that's right. I just sound like you sound like like a guy that oh, could be. Oh yeah, I love gravy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, gravy. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so then I'm going to go into some actual crimes that people got arrested for. Please. Or not arrested for. Um, there is the acid cocktail unsolved murder. Oh, my God. Um, in 1965, 39-year-old Mary McCowain, I'm saying this wrong, um, she died after a night out with friends. Um, basically, they, so... <laughs> They went out with two other people, like a double date, and they had 10 drinks each. This is according to them. Um, and then she said that she didn't feel well, so then her husband took her back to their house. They had one more drink together, and then he left and went back over to the couple's house and had more drinks with them and then slept over. The next morning, he comes in and finds his wife dead. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> but it was obviously, or not obviously, but it was poisoned with carbonic acid, um, and it looked as though she had been um, sedated before she took the last cocktail because there were like needle marks in her leg. <gasps> Not like drug needle marks, but like two needle marks. Um, because basically what happens when you drink that kind of acid is it just dissolves the stomach lining and then oh, that kills you. That's terrible. Yeah, so then they, everyone just assumes that the husband did it. Sure. But, um, because of the sedation, and he's a doctor, so he oh. had access to... That stuff, Annie was having an affair with two different women at the time. Oh, cool. Yeah. No, that's cool. Really? How, who has the time? No, it's good. And He's I'm a sure. Full time doctor. They work many hours, if yeah. I'm to believe Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> and they also have two girlfriends and you're married. Like, yeah. I don't understand how you do that. You just, like, you just deny, you just kind of do it around. You're like, hey, honey, sorry, I have to go out for a minute. She's like, where are you going? He's like, oh, I have to I have to go to the toy store quickly. And you're like, it's 2.30 in the morning. He's like, yeah, I'm just going to, like, line up quickly so it's open in the morning when I get there, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so then she she's like, like, that doesn't sound right. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess what he decided to do is kill his wife and get away with it because they didn't have enough evidence. Oh, yeah. Supposedly, even though all this... You know, it seems pretty obvious that it was him. It's obviously him. But in the 60s, you know, doctors can't go to jail for killing their wives. Of course not. Um, it's part of the Hippocratic Oath. Okay, then there's also the Rudy Kurniawan wine forgery, which they made him documentary about. Yeah, I've heard of that. Um, so he's like this guy who at one point auctioned off, he had a, like this crazy wine collection. Um, he auctioned it off for $35 million dollars. Um, but some of the vintages that were on the wine that he sold were called into question. And then the actual producers themselves were like, well, we actually didn't make this wine until 1982. (gasps) So this 1945 vintage is a fake. Oh my God. And so then police raided his house and they found all this like set up for him to like, you know, like make fake wine labels and all these wine corks and also like stuff that he added to the wine to make it taste old and like legitimate. 
Um, which I just think is fascinating. It's amazing. It's a forgery is like a really crazy thing. I love when people do things like this. I'm just like, I know, catch me if you can. Trying to beat the system. Yeah, I love catch me if you can. Me too. Um, that reminds me, my mom like had a client who gave her a bottle of Ed Hardy wine one year for Christmas. I guess Ed Hardy makes wine. What what can't he do? Um, and so I took it as a joke and I did a taste test and I was like, Hey, we're going to do like this blind tasting with the person who was doing the wine list at Brucey at the time. And I like poured some of the Ed Hardy wine and I was like, this is a new wine. What do you think the grape is? <laughs> like took a while with it. I like, got That's mean. Uh huh. That's mean. It's mean. It's a mean <laughs> joke, but he like was trying to be nice about it, but it was disgusting. <laughs> it was green also. <laughs> yeah. Ew. Ed Hardy. No. Um, oh, it's crazy. There's also a maple syrup robbery. Also, I thought that all the food crimes would be old, but a lot of them that I found are new. I know. So in 2016, Canadian maple syrup was valued at $1,300 a barrel, which is more expensive than oil. That's insane. I know. It I is kn- good, though. Yeah, but she's Louise. Real maple syrup. You ever go to a diner and they're like, do you want the real stuff? I mean, it's just so much better than... Sure. I mean, obviously, like, the corn syrup stuff is not good, but it just seems insane that it's more expensive than oil. We fight wars over that That's stuff. true. That's um, a good point. <laughs> <laughs> um, in 2012, 540 gallons of maple syrup were hijacked from a Quebec warehouse, and it was valued at $13 million. What? Um, it was assumed to be an inside job, and eventually they kind of figured out who they were, and the major portion of the syrup was recovered. But they somehow managed to siphon the syrup out of the barrels in, like, small amounts, and that's how they got away with it without having to, like, haul huge, giant, heavy barrels of syrup. Oh, my God. I'm just picturing, like, someone having, like, an inner bladder in their pants. You know what I mean? Like, a bladder-lined pants where, like, they're like, oh, you look like you put on a little weight, Mort. And he's like, no, I'm I'm fine. My wife's just feeding me a lot of mac and cheese these days. He's like, whole pants are full of syrup. (laughs) That's really funny. Yeah, that reminds me, there was a commercial for Chi Chi's, which is like a chain. Do you know that restaurant? Uh-huh, I've heard of it, yeah. Um, and basically the premise of the commercial is this guy keeps ordering tons and tons and tons of salsa because they have unlimited <laughs> salsa refills. Um, and he just keeps asking for more refills. And then eventually you look up and they, I don't know, they somehow figure it out and he has like this bladder in his jacket full of like the, the Chi Chi's salsa. Oh my and- God. <laughs> That's a very squishy thing to have in your yeah. coat. I mean, the salsa was delicious. Amazing. Okay, I have, well, I'll do one more. Okay. And this one is relevant to us. Lay it on us. <laughs> um, it's a human interest story. <laughs> <laughs> So this guy robbed a, a convenience store in Iowa City, and they <laughs> he thought he got away with it, but he left a trail of lottery tickets and snack foods behind him as he ran out <laughs> of the convenience store, and the police found him 100 yards away. Oh, that's cute. Carrying two cases of beer and covered in nacho cheese. Oh, yeah. That's so, my dude. I know. So I was just like, this guy. Props to you. Yes. He was just hungry. Yeah, two yeah. cases of beer. and co- I'm just like, how did he get covered in nacho cheese? Though? He probably tried to run. With the nacho, like, you know, the squirt yeah. thing. Sure. And that's then- that's for a forensic psychologist to figure out. You're right. <laughs> that's amazing. Those are really great stories. Um, I love your food crimes, especially, <laughs> I feel like the, my favorite one was the hamburger in a can. That was yeah. my most surprise. You were shocked. I was complete, my jaw dropped to the ground. Um, okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I have a very interesting story about, let's just say, a fishy kind of gangster. <laughs> <laughs>
My name is Brandon Boy, co-owner of Roberta's, a super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. Join Heritage Radio Network on Monday, November 11th for a raucous feast to toast a decade of food radio. Our 10th anniversary Bacchanal is a rare gathering of your favorite chefs, mixologists, storytellers, thought leaders, and culinary masterminds. We'll salute the inductees of the newly minted HRN Hall of Fame, who embody our mission to further equity, sustainability, and deliciousness. Explore the beautiful Palm House and Yellow Magnolia Cafe, taste an imbibe to your heart's content, and bid on once-in-a-lifetime experiences and tasty gifts for any budget at our silent auction. Tickets available now at heritageradionetwork.org gala. In the John Bennett case, as a lot of people are, we are just talking about John Bennett Ramsey here on Life's, Life's Banquet, a <laughs> true crime food podcast. I'm Karen Gareth. <laughs> um, <clears throat> anyway, so yeah, we were just talking about the different things that I had thought about doing for my story, and I was saying I had thought about maybe doing the John Bennett case because of the famous pineapple found in her stomach. And then Nicole and I were chatting about who we think killed her. <laughs> I think it was the government. Um, I don't think it was the little brother, which is the whole pineapple angle, right? Yeah. Because the mom was like, I didn't feed her pineapple before she went to bed, but there was a bowl of pineapple on the counter when the police arrived. Right, and pineapple in her stomach. Yeah. Very interesting. Well, we will get into that next week. That's an interesting case. I was just saying, Nicole, I, it is an interesting case, but and it's a crazy cold case, and it's like, who did it? But it's not the case that's I most... We were both very into true crime. Like um, all humans. Like everybody else yeah. is. Just trying to find something more terrible than the president and the what he's doing to the entire world to be upset about, I think. It's part of true crime. And the only thing that it is is murder. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing worse <laughs> than the president is murder. Exactly. Um, okay, guys. I have a story today that I have found very interesting. It's kind of mafia-related, although it's not really the mafia, but it's, you know, like the marine version of the mafia. So I'm going to tell you a little bit, a story that revolves all around everyone's kind of medium favorite fish, cod. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So cod is the common name for the demarsal fish genius, Gatus. Wow, you went for this? (laughs) Yes. Webster's Dictionary defines love as... (laughs) (laughs) Webster's Dictionary defines a friend. Um, Okay. Cod is the common name for the dermosal fish genus Gadius, belonging to the Gadae family. <laughs> the family Gadae. The two most common species of cod are Atlantic cod and Pacific cod. Wow. Shocking. Um, cod is popular as a popular food. This is according to Wikipedia. Cod is, quote, a, po- a popular as a food with a mild flavor and dense, flaky white flesh. Cod livers are processed to make cod liver oil, an important source of vitamin A, D, E, and omega-3 fatty acid. Young Atlantic cod or haddock prepared in strips of cooking for cooking is called scrod. <laughs> right. That is also <laughs> weird, I think. Yeah, it's like, a scr- I mean, scrod has to be one of the like least nice sounding words there is. Mm-hmm. Um, in the UK, Atlantic cod is one of the most common ingredients found in fish and chips. Personally, I know cod as a piece of fish that's full of worms. I like. I mean, cod is 
you can get it locally, right? So a mm-hmm. lot of places want to like do local sustainable fish and stuff on the in the Northeast. You use cod, but it is always full of worms. I mean, most wild caught fish these days is full of worms. Full of worms. It's really gross. So we stopped getting it at Brucey very early on because um, I just couldn't stand looking at people pulling worms out of the fish. All that was disgusting. So the worms and cod are called nematodes, and they're naturally occurring parasitic ground worms, commonly found in cold water oily fish such as cod. Nematodes are not harmful when the fish is cooked properly to an internal temperature of 140, um, or if it's frozen. So whatever. I I still don't really try to mess with it because of that. Um, cod has been an important economic commodity in international markets since the Viking period. Wow. Okay. People have been loving cod forever and ever. It's mad basic, but, you know. They probably didn't complain about the worms back then. Well, yeah. It was just extra protein. Um, Norwegians traveled with dried cod as soon as the dried cod market developed in southern Europe. Um, this market at least lasted for more than a thousand years, enduring the Black Death, wars on other, uh, wars and other crises, and is still an important to the Norwegian fish trade. Now, the Portuguese... <laughs> Why would... They- Hmm? Yes, Wait, go ahead. Why would the fish be affected by the black death? <laughs> Wouldn't you like this is back long enough when fish used to walk on land like men? Oh, yeah. okay, I see. Wow, that's amazing that they survived. Exactly. They well, that's why they went into the water. They used to just be able to catch them oh, on land, right? And then they just were like, "This is lame. We're getting in the water." Yeah, we're like, we're getting the hell out of here. We don't need the black death. We have gills and all that mess. Um, <laughs> so a lot of places, the Portuguese came uh, and started. Well, they started fishing for cod in Portugal. It's very popular, like bacalao, mm-hmm. um, and in Spain. And then a lot of Portuguese people came over here and started fishing in the northeast uh the north american east coast developed in part due to vast cod stocks um like think cape cod and the fish is so important to the history and development of massachusetts that the state's house of representative hung a wood carving of a codfish known as the sacred cod of massachusetts in its chamber wow i didn't know that so I'd also like to tell you that by his own admission, Dwayne, the Rock Johnson, a.k.a. America's true sweetheart, eats about 821 pounds of cod per year, which I think is the true crime, really, in this story. That's crazy. I mean, you should... He eats 10 pounds of food per day. Why? I don't know, but his diet also... I mean, I'm sure I've talked about the Rock's diet on here, like... He then says, by, uh, then he said he stopped eating cod because it's gross. So this guy's eating two pounds of cod a day because it's gross. And I'm like, you're the richest, one of the richest people. You can have anything. You could, st- I'm sure he could still eat like what he wants to a degree and be cut up. <laughs> I don't know. But I mean, he ate two pounds. I mean, like, I feel like if you eat anything that's two pounds of anything a day, you're going to be like, I'm sick of this. I mean, of course. He's eating all the cod out of the ocean. Right. Honestly, there's a cod shortage, and I blame him. 800 pounds a year. Explain yourself, The Rock. How many cods is that? Oh, that's a very good question. Well, if the average cod weighs 10 pounds, he's eating 365 cod per <laughs> hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he has, it on, he has it on an intravenous drip. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, okay. <clears throat> so now I'm going to take you to New Bedford, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. A quaint seaside town full of witches and ghouls. I got all this information from my story, for the most part from Wikipedia and also Mother Jones. So, this story is about a gentleman that can only be described as the Codfather. So, the Codfather is a local media's nickname for Carlos Rafael, a stocky mogul with a drooping jowls and a smooth pate. What's a smooth pate? The top of his head. He's bald. 
Oh, thank God you're here. <laughs> okay. So he was born to a farming family in the Azores, which is an archipelago off the coast of Portugal. Um, and he was sent to a monastery at 12 because his parents were worried that he would be um, put into the war that they had between Angola and Mozambique. So they sent him to a monastery. A monastery, yes. And he wanted to move to the U.S. so bad as a teenager that he got himself kicked out of the monastery. And so his parents knew that if they didn't move, that he would just get sent to war. So they decided all to move, and they moved to New Bedford, Massachusetts. Um, he takes a fishing job. This all really makes me think of Mystic Pizza. Have you seen the film? I've actually never seen it. Oh, my God. Heavens to Mercury. We should watch it. Okay. Yeah, we should. Nicole and I are going away for a little little friend getaway in the next two days, but we could watch Mystic Pizza. It's a good fall movie. Okay. Yeah. It's not very spooky, though. It isn't, unless <laughs> you play different music behind it. Like, <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Um, but anyway, it's a, it's a good movie, and they're all Portuguese in it. Everyone, I guess, in, in the East Coast is Portuguese. I, I didn't know until I saw the film. Um, hmm. So he takes a job at the fish processing plant, and he gets promoted to um, the foreman of the, of the company. So in 19... And this is, like, in the late 60s. In 1981, he buys his first boat, and then he gets another boat, another boat, another boat, until he owned 40 boats. Whoa. And they all had kind of, like, Hellenistic names, like the Athena, the Poseidon. Um, local newspapers started calling him the Waterfront Wizard or the Oracle of the Ocean. <laughs> um, the Codfather also brokered the law. In the 80s, he was sentenced to six months in prison for tax evasion. And in 1994, he was indicted and acquitted for price fixing. What does that mean? I don't know, but it sounds bad. Price fixing, so he probably, I guess, changing, I mean, like, he's determining the price of so many markets because he's fishing so much fish? I guess. I have no idea. It's like the ocean called. It said, save some for me. What's that Seinfeld the, uh, when George keeps eating all the shrimp? I don't know. No, oh, it's a funny one. He's like, the ocean called. It says, we're running out of you. <laughs> oh, the jerk store called. Because they're like, the ocean called. It said, we're running out of shrimp. And then George at the end is like, the jerk store called. And they're running out of you. <laughs> it's a great one. George, cause. Um, okay. In 2011, federal agents confiscated 881-pound tuna that had been illegally netted aboard the Apollo. He said, Wait, quote, the, the tuna weighed 881 pounds. Correct. Which is more than the amount of cod that the rock eats per year. I, I mean. One fish. I wonder if the cod could just nibble into a whole entire tuna and just eat all his fish for the year in one sitting. Wow. <laughs> and just store it up like a camel. That's crazy. Call us the rock. So it was illegal for them to fish tuna. Why? Well, I'm not really sure, but I think that um, there are just like laws around fishing that you have to adhere to. Like maybe if something's too big or too small or it's already been fished enough for that season, you're not supposed to do it. because maritime laws. Exactly. Which we all know is no law. Maritime law is like <laughs> where there is no law at all. So this whole thing makes no sense. Right. I'm going to burn this paper. Okay. Let's just free, let's just free ball it for the rest of the episode. <laughs> okay. So to this, he responds, quote, I'm a pirate and it's your job to catch me. Who is he talking to? The the wind. <laughs> the media. <laughs> the leftist crooked media and crooked Hillary. I don't know. Wow. I don't know who he's talking to. His wife. Um, <clears throat> and then he, uh, people have, who worked with him recorded saying he has no compunction about telling you how he's screwing you right to your face. So he'll just basically he's be like. an honest guy. Yeah. He's an honest. He tells it like it is. He's a wizard of the, war, of the water. He's the oracle of the sea. Exactly. <laughs> he's the colossus of clout. <laughs> like the Sandlot. He's the Sultan of Swag. The Sultan of Swag. <clears throat> uh, the Sultan of Sultan of Swat. Mm-hmm. I don't no. remember. No. Swag? I, I don't know. Anyway, who cares? Um, by 2015, Raphael was 63 years old with assets worth tens of millions of dollars or so he reported. And he was ready to cash out. 
So, according to court documents, that January, he let it slip that he was selling his boats, um, and five months later, three men appeared at his warehouse to negotiate with him. Two of them were said to be members of a Russian crime syndicate, and they arrived with a broker. Raphael divulged his complete corrupt strategy to him, which he called, a, which the scam was called in, by him, quote, the dance. Those were undercover cops. No shit. I'll tell you more about it later. He obviously kind of knew. What an idiot. He's a ding dong. Well, he was like, it's your job to catch me. Come on. Right. Ready. Well, I think people like that from like what I read, what I know about him from being married to him for the past 15 years <laughs> is that um, people like that, I think sometimes are just so brazen. Like, I mean, it's the same thing with our president, not to get too political, but it's just kind of like I could shoot someone in the middle of Times Square and no one could stop me. You know what I mean? It's sure. like that attitude of like. The more balls out that I am, the least likely I am to get caught because it's just so absurd to be so brashly uncaring of the law. Sure. You know what I mean? That's what this guy strikes me as. Um, So anyway, the dance was a scam that goes as follows. So the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration requires fishing boats to report the species weight uh, and all the specs of their catch, among other information, each time they return from sea. Now, seafood dealers have to submit their own reports detailing what they purchased from incoming vessels with the NOAA um, to verify the fishermen's accounts. Now, Raphael was exploiting the gapping loophole because he owned both the boats and the dealership. So he can instruct the captains to misreport their catch, and then he could falsify the dealer reports to corroborate the lie. To what end, though? So he's saying he's lying about how much fish they have. He's lying about how much fish they're catching Mm -hmm. because then he can sell it under the table without having to report his income to the IRS. Got it. So people can buy it with cash, right? Yeah. So it's kind of like money laundering. Um, So, and corrupt sheriff deputy named Antonio Fatras allegedly helped him smuggle cash to Portugal through Logan Airport and he's now facing charges uh, for his role in the operation. Now back to the Russians. Um, he told the Russians that, and they were being taped because we later find out that the Russians, they're all IRS agents. Uh, they're IRS agents? IRS. They're not even police officers? No, IRS. Nerds. IRS are a bunch of nerds with, with a lot of clout. Sure. Have you ever seen... The Colossus um, of Clouds. The Colossus of Clouds. They're all dressed like Babe Ruth. Um, have you seen Schnitz or Schitt's Creek? Yes. Well, in the beginning, and it's like the IRS in the first episode, and they take everything? Right, yeah. Um, so back to the Russians. He had reported that he's worth like between 10 and $25 million, but he tells the Russians that he's worth uh, $175 million, which is more than eight times what he claimed to the IRS. Um, to prove it, Raphael reaches under his desk and procured an envelope labeled cash. Uh, each year, he said he sold thousands of pounds of under-the-table fish. He's telling the fucking government this. What a dumbass. Um, no offense. Call us. <laughs> He's like going to send someone over here to like murder us. Isn't he in jail? Uh, yeah, but I mean, not for much longer. So under the table fish to New York dealer named Michael Peretti. Wow. Who is friend, also the friend ha- of the podcast. Friend of the podcast. <laughs> um, that's actually the reason I decided to go with this over Jonestown. Because I'm like, Michael Peretti? That's funny. I wonder if it's my ex-boyfriend, Michael Peretti. Um, who gave Raphael a bag of, quote, jingles or cash for the contraband fish. What? Jingles is like slang for cash i have no idea <laughs> i really this whole thing is oh i just ripped the knee of my pant uh-oh um okay so he says to the irs you'll never find a better laundromat than this motherfucker which is like a launderer yeah i mean i say screw the government don't pay taxes if you can get away with it sure steal the fish save the empire damn the man <laughs> um 
So anyway, and then he goes, you could be IRS here. This could be a clusterfuck. I'm trusting you. Then again, he rationalized, the IRS couldn't be clever enough to use Russians as rats. Fuck me, he said. That would be some bad luck. <laughs> Wait. So it, He rationalized that they they probably had the worst Russian accents, too, because they're IRS yeah. agents. They're like, oh, do you have any vodka? My <laughs> wife likes cod. <laughs> no offense, oh. IRS people that listen to this book. Yeah, or Russians. You think you're great. <clears throat> um, yes, we love the IRS. So we pay much. our taxes. We think the IRS is the greatest. Um, over the next eight months, um, the IRS built a case, repeatedly meeting with Raphael and Michael Peretti at the Fulton Fish Market. Um, and on February 26th, 2016, federal agents arrested Raphael in a raid on a South Front Street warehouse. And in May of that year, he was indicted on 27 counts of fraud and other charges covering more than 800,000 pounds of fish. Eat that, The Rock. He will. <laughs> he will in about 10, 100 years. 100,000 years. <laughs> um, as a, On April 3rd, 2017, as part of a guilty plea filed on March 30th, Carlos Rafael agreed to give up 13 of his vessels, but now in 2019, age 67, Rafael will never fish again, according to the terms of a settlement with the <laughs> NA, NOAA. Not even recreationally? Not even for fun. Not even, like, uh, he can't even watch fishing on television. That's not true. He can't even go within 100 year, yards of the sea or any puddles. Fishing with John. He's not allowed to go in the pool. Nothing. No fishing coordinated with, swim pools. Nothing. Um, he's serving four years in prison, and he owes $3 million to the NOAA in fines. So it seems like he did okay. Like, he went for, to jail for a short period of time. Yeah, he has, still has $172 million. Yeah. I mean, he has to, like, figure out, and the IRS is going to be watching him. Yeah, and he has a healthy liver from eating all that cod. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's a pretty interesting story. I think it's fascinating. The Codfather. And it's fun to say. It's a good pun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so we had talked about the best, for our chef recommends, the best and worst thing food you can steal. Okay. What's yours? The be- the worst thing that you can steal yeah. is baked Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> so specific. <laughs> it's true. You would never, it's, it's, gonna a- be, it's a disaster. What are you going to, how <laughs> could you do it? I'd like to see the Ocean's Eleven about stealing Bates, Alaska <laughs> while it's on fire. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> What's the best? Uh, the best food to steal is, um, like, petty fours because they're so compact. And then you oh. can just, I mean, they have to be, like, I don't know why you would steal them. but They're cute. They're cute. I love them because it's, like, tiny cake. Yeah. That you're allowed to... But it looks like chocolate. That's cute. Maybe I just want to talk about pedophores. Should we do a pedophore episode? Christmas is around the corner. That's Um, true. um, But yeah, but so portable, so easy to steal. In my mind, you could get like a Fabergé egg one, you know, to make it more valuable and worth stealing. Like, I don't know why you would steal them in this situation, but. I mean, you can really steal anything. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Mine, I have written here in my notes, the best thing to steal is caviar because it's expensive and it's small. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so you can steal like a glass jar of caviar worth like $10,000 and it's like the size of a condom. That reminds me of something. What? I watched Big recently. Oh, yeah. And for, there's like now two movies. I need to do some research on this because I talked about in a couple of episodes ago how Tom Hanks is like evil uh-huh. and he eats all the caviar garnish yeah. on the thing. Yeah, and you've got mail. You've got mail. And then in Big, he's like obviously like a teen boy who, by the way, has sex, which 
I do not remember, and I'm still shocked by it right now. He's 13 years old. Oh, but come anyway, on. he's at this big fancy party. And he's wearing a completely all white tuxedo with tails, and no one else is wearing that, of course. And mm-hmm. then he, she hands him some caviar, and he like spits it out into his hand and then starts coughing and like totally like has a freak out and it's hilarious. Tom Hanks needs to get his mind around how he feels about caviar. There just needs to be like a montage of Tom Hanks eating caviar. Totally. We should get him on the show. Yeah. Okay. Give him a call. Call us please. Um, And my worst thing to steal is bees. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they make honey but like honey bees. I know, I get it. Yeah. (laughs) And they're endangered. So you mean big trouble. Big trouble. Big trouble. Big Okay, and then you had a great idea for um, the last three things we'd eat if we were like getting like committed. What would what would you say? Committed a murder, committing getting murder committed on us, getting murder committed on me. Like what I wouldn't mind eating. Okay, unknowingly, sort of knowingly, that it's my last meal. Got it. Go ahead. So obviously nachos. Oh yeah, what a great way to go. Sure. Um, I also think that like a big Italian dinner spread, mm. like with all kinds of like appetizers you know yeah scongeal and there's like pasta and it's just all the stuff calamar yeah everything big salad garlic bread yeah definitely tartufo definitely oh yeah mama mia love tartufo i mean tartufo and petty four are so close oh yeah really it's just the same thing yeah one's ice cream (laughs) it's cute um and then i don't know i guess those are the only two that i would i didn't think of something else oh (laughs) So your top three is really just a top two. Top two. I mean, that Italian meal is so big. It's like, could be two meals. That's true. If you split it into premium and secondi <laughs> and dolce, it could be three. Totally. Fair enough. Okay. My number three is similar to yours is spaghetti meatballs. Mm-hmm. My favorite. Number two, bread and butter. <laughs> is a full meal. Dude, I love, as you know, we, we just, just ate, ate them. Yeah. Yo, Amelia uh, Hall, who's the head baker at Roberta's, used to work at Brucey. She just gave us some delicious bread, so we brought it to the HRN offices. It was like a circular, almost like a giant flat bagel. It was like a Mm -hmm. whole wheat, rosemary, sesame bread. Oh, man. That was really good. It was great. I hope it's not my last meal, but it was very good. And my number one is John Hamm's butt. Hmm. Just kidding. eating some ass, and then it's your last meal, and his butt is poisoned? Like, (laughs) he would have to put poison on his butt. Oh. I'm just kidding. That's my number two. My number one is um, that square pie from Ops and a salad. Oh, yeah. That's really good. That shit is just good. Mm -hmm. That's good eating. Sure is. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. Eating good in the neighborhood. Oh, Oh, man. This has been a silly episode. Yeah, it's pretty silly. But what can we do? That's fine. I mean, I think it's supposed to be silly. Oh, okay. Yeah. How are you feeling this week? You good? Yeah. Feeling good. Do you feel like you're getting a little a cold, you said? Well, maybe, but I don't think the world needs to know about my disgusting disease. Well, let me tell you, I think the more we talk about it, if we say you're getting a cold, the chances of it actually happening are less. Statistically, this is science. Yes. Right. Yeah. Also, the engineer's parents are doctors, so hopefully they've been listening to this episode. That's right. Jeet, you promised to cure Nicole, so... I hope that you're planning on following through with that. Um, also, what I've heard is that if you eat like three or four pounds of codfish in one sitting, right, it'll take your cold right away. That is true. But what you actually said earlier is licorice tea, which I think is real. That's true. So this weekend, I was Although, at the... Well, homeopathy has been disproven many times. Oh, well. <laughs> seems like you're working for big pharma. Um, <laughs> I... Uh, I was at the farmer's market this weekend. I had been sick for like three weeks and I passed by, I was at Lonnie's farm. That's a 
like the greatest farm stand and they had all these herbs and they put these like little descriptions of what each one tastes like or is good for and I just happened to catch that like the blue licorice which is also called Korean mint mm. um, it said it's antibacterial and antiviral and so I just like steeped the leaves and stems I maybe had like five cups of it total in two days and I felt better. And I don't know if it was the timing, just I was ready to stop being sick, but it really instantly made me feel better. the placebo effect is very powerful. Very powerful. Very powerful. Um, Okay. Well, this was a fun episode. Let's go get you some some herbs and spices. Great. Shall we? Hasta la pasta, everyone. Bye. Life's Banquet is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Or connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click at the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening. <laughs>